Ah, uh, so Pastor Adrian, Pastor, I told you that Pastor Justin and Chelsea are on vacation. And like I said, pray for them because they need they need that rest. But I already peeked, and I know they're watching online. So we're going to say good morning to them real quick because I know they're watching, and I know they already miss you guys. So on the count of three, we're going to say good morning to them, right? One, two, three. Good morning. Ah, oh, love you guys. So I got to confess something. During announcements, I was only half paying attention because I was really thinking about that last song that we sung. And there's a couple lines in there that really struck me, and one of them was, all things are possible. Do you guys believe that? We say that, do you believe it? All things are possible. But there was another couple of lines in there that really struck me, and one of them talked about breaking strongholds. And the worship team and I didn't talk about it. I'll, I'll give you a little background on it, but I was in, gosh, about two weeks ago, I was in Estonia, and I was at a church service where I was pretty much the only English speaker. So I didn't have a translator, and I was trying to pick out the words that I knew because I'm learning Estonia, but I didn't know a ton of words. And just like this morning in that service, I found myself not paying a lot of attention because all of a sudden, I found the Holy Spirit speaking to me about what this morning was going to be about. But I didn't share with Danny and Pastor Justin what this morning was going to be about till what, Friday night, Saturday morning? And in that last song that they chose to sing, it talked about breaking strongholds. It talked about revival. And indirectly, that's going to be part of what this message is about because there are things in our lives that we hold on to and do that keep us in strongholds, that keep us from in revival. So this morning first, I guess I better, I'm not good at that part. Let's see who's online. Let's see who's online. See if I can find it. Um, but if you're here, we're glad you're here. If you're new, we're glad you're here. If you've been here a while, we're glad you're here. And I'm going to find out who is out there. Let's see, let's see if I can find it. There we go. I know I saw Pastor Justin, Pastor Chelsea online peeking. Let's see who else is out there. Uh, I see Philip Norman online. I see Carolyn Davis McKinney, and I saw Melanie McKinney online. Uh, let's see, Justin. Pastor Justin's online. Stacy Vargas is online. Um, Drew Urbasic is online. Sorry, Drew, if I say your name wrong, but Drew Urbasic is online. We're so glad you're here. We're so glad you're listening. And um, if you're ever not able to be at church, being online is a great, great way to still be here and participate. So the title, well, actually, before we get to the title this morning's more message, the other thing I was thinking about as we were worshiping this morning, and I was standing behind everybody, I was thinking of what um, Pastor Adrian and Pastor Sarah were talking about their kids, about Caden and about Ava. And they said, hey, my favorite son my favorite daughter. But do you know that that applies to you? Because each and every single one of you is God's favorite son and favorite daughter. And even blows our minds because we think, how can each of us be our favorites? But I promise you he is. I was looking around and like I saw Cameron, I'm going to call some people out. You're his favorite son. Absolutely. And John, you're his favorite son. And Sarah's his favorite daughter. And that applies to each and every single person. You are his favorite. And he would do anything for you. And he loves you and he actually loves you more than you know. Do you guys know that you have a daddy that's absolutely crazy about you? Hannah, do you know that you have a daddy that's absolutely crazy about you and would do anything for you? Adam, that's true for you, every single person here. And as we go, we're going to call, I titled this message, well, struggle with this a little bit, which is interesting based on the, on the, on the title, but the title of this message is going to be, The Struggle is Real. Yeah, there's already some reactions there. Um, I'm going to warn you guys ahead of time, there's going to be some hard things to hear this morning. There's some hard things for me to hear. 
There's some hard things to hear this morning, but God is your father and your daddy who loves you beyond what you can know, doesn't want to see you struggle, doesn't want to see you trapped in that. And so often when we struggle, it's of our own doing and our own making. So often our struggles are artificial. So we're going to talk about that this morning. So first, I'm going to ask you to uh, jump in and um, turn to 2 Peter 1. And I'll let everybody get there. Um, most of the adults in here have kids. If you don't, you may have nieces, you may have nephews. Who wants to see your kids struggle? Who wants to see your kids struggle? Who wants to see them hit a, their head against the wall? Who wants to see them um, in pain and struggling, unable accomplishing? Is there any, any parent that wants to see that? And if we don't want to see that in our kids, how much more does God not want to see us struggle? So I'm going to take us to First Peter, or Second Peter, sorry, 1, uh, and we're going to read verses 1 through 4. And I'm going to go ahead and read it to you. And it says, this is a letter from Simon Peter, a slave and apostle of Jesus Christ. I am writing to you who share the same precious faith we have, a faith that was given to you because of the justice and fairness of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And this is that of the NLT. May God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a holy, godly life. We have received all by coming to know him and by the one who called us to himself by the means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and, uh, given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share in his divine nature and escapes the world, the world's corruption created by human desires. And just want to want to think about that for a little bit, because I love what it says as we talk about what struggle is. Verse three tells us that we've been given everything we need. That we lack nothing. We've been given our salvation. We've been given our faith. But most importantly, when Jesus left and went to heaven, He gave us the Comforter. He gave us the Holy Spirit, and He's given us everything we need. And it also, verse 4 speaks of he's given us his great and precious promises. What more do we need in this life than the Holy Spirit? And to be able to stand on the great and precious promises that are written in Scripture. And these great and precious promises are not, sometimes I think we think of God's promises as things he might do. Maybe pretty please. Maybe if we act good enough. Maybe if we perform well enough. Do you know God's promises are not based on you they're not based on whether you're good enough. They're not based on whether you measure up. They are not based on whether you do good enough or you please them enough. They are solid. They are firm. They are not maybe. They are things that he will do. And when I think of struggle, the world around us tells us struggle is normal, right? The world around us, even in Christian spiritual communities, the world and our Christian communities and circles tell us struggle is normal. It's okay. Everybody does it. At what point does that become just an excuse? I say no. I say no. Struggle's not okay. Struggle's not normal. Not everybody has to do it. Because scripture tells us we've been given everything we need and we don't have to struggle. So when we encounter that struggle, when we're tempted, when we're even told struggle's normal, 
it's okay. Is it okay to stay in struggle? Is it okay to choose struggle and what Jesus has for you in the promises? And I say when we're confronted with struggle, we're, we're given a choice. I choose to struggle or I choose Jesus. I choose to walk in struggle or I choose to trust Jesus. So I say this concept of struggle's normal, it's okay, everybody does it, it's not a big deal, it's a load of crap. And yeah, said crap in church. It is. The reality is that's a lie and that's false. And I believe struggle is very much like fear. And what's that tagline? What's that tagline we put on stuff? Fear is a liar. Is struggle not also a liar? Struggle lies to us. Struggle steals from us. Struggle distracts us. Struggle keeps us mired in a place where we can't see anything but the things that are holding us back. And I think struggle becomes a convenient excuse to not do the things that would have us do, to not step into the fullness of what God has for us, and to not go where God would want us to go. And that's a little bit hard because sometimes we think of struggle, I can't help it, it's beyond me, it's so hard. And I get that, but we have been given everything we need And when we choose struggle, we're choosing an excuse. And like I said at the beginning, most of the time, our struggles are of our own creation. Maybe not always, but most of the time, our struggles are of our own creation. And we choose that struggle. We choose it. We choose it. And that's that's not, has God called us to a life of struggle? Has God called us to be mired and stuck in struggle? Or has God called us to follow him? And when I look at the the ministry and life of Jesus, I see a man who was confronted with many situations where he could have struggled and chosen struggle. And what did he do? He chose not to struggle. He chose to walk in what God had for him regardless of what he confronted. He chose to walk, and scripture says this, he chose to walk through the struggle knowing the glory that was set before him, knowing the cross he was going to, knowing what that would accomplish. So I'm going to actually take you back to 1 Peter now, 1, 13 through 16, if you guys can turn there. And I'm going to read this to you because so much of struggle is in our mind and it's mental. And I think most people here would admit that our biggest enemy and our biggest battle is right up here. This thing here is our worst enemy. We often go off blaming the enemy, blaming spiritual attack, blaming all those things. And I am not discounting that those things are true. But so often, the worst things that happen to us and where we get stuck is right here. This thing jacks us up. This thing holds us back. And I'm going to read 1 Peter 1, 13 through 16, which says, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be sober-minded. I'm going to stop there for a minute. To prepare our minds for action, to be sober-minded spiritually, means to not do what I call stinking thinking, to not stay in a place where we struggle, to not stay in a place where this thing goes places that we know it shouldn't. And there's so many times Scripture speaks to that. But I'm going to read the rest of this. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Set your hope on the grace. So often when we struggle, so often when things are going on in our life, where have we placed our hope? In our job, in our finances, in the vacation that's coming, in the ministry that we're going to do, even in our marriage or our spouse. This says to place our hope 
in the grace that we're brought to you in the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. That's a tough word, ignorance, right? We see that as a negative word. So often when the Bible uses the word ignorance, it's simply speaking to a lack of understanding and knowledge. Ignorance can be because we don't know. Ignorance can be wealth. But this tells us, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who has called you is holy, you are to also be holy in all your conduct. As it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. It's hard to be holy from a place of struggle. It's hard to be holy when we're mired in our thoughts. It's hard to be holy when we're mired in a place where we can't see past ourselves. And it says to be holy as I am holy. How can you be holy when you hide behind the excuse, excuse of struggle? And guys, I realize this is hard and this is a downer at first, but we're going to get to the good stuff later. But how can you be holy as Scripture commands? These Scriptures... They're not suggestions. Who takes scripture as a suggestion? These are commands. Be holy as I am holy. We can only be holy as he is holy if we walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Scripture says in a couple places that if we were to live by the Spirit, we were to be in step with the Spirit. To be in step with the Spirit is to follow where the Holy Spirit takes us each and every moment. It says if we live our life by the Holy Spirit, we will not gratify the sinful natures of the flesh. We were told in 2 Peter that we've been given everything we need, and the biggest component of that is the Holy Spirit. How are we holy? We're holy through the Holy Spirit. But we're holy by choosing not to sin, by choosing not to struggle, by choosing not to be ignorant. And let those things lead us to the former things that we did. So we're going to go straight to the first point. Um, And I'm going to say, when we choose struggle... Or when I choose struggle, I'm choosing not to be fully surrendered to Jesus. But when I choose struggle, there's something I'm not giving up to him. And I'm not giving over to him. And I'm not trusting him with. And this is hard, guys, because I know in our world, it can be finances. It can be our job. It can be things in our marriage. There's a lot of things that we can struggle with. But if you're struggling with your finances, have you surrendered them to Jesus? If you're struggling in your marriage, have you surrendered it to Jesus? I'll even go there. Men, if you're struggling with things like pornography, have you surrendered that to Jesus in your life there? And so often when we struggle, we are not choosing Jesus, and we say, I can't. It's hard. I don't know what else to do. You know what I say when when we talk about struggles like that? Men, when it comes to pornography, you're struggling with pornography, you know my answer is? Stop. Because you don't have to anymore. You've been given everything you need. Ladies, maybe it's gossip or some other thing. Stop. Because you don't have to keep on struggling, and that becomes an excuse. And so often our struggle with things like sin, when we say, I can't, and we don't stop, and we say, I'm struggling, is simply an excuse to keep doing what we want to do and say no to Jesus, not being fully surrendered. That's hard, but that's real. And it's time to stop, right? Stop choosing struggle, whatever that sin is. Some of us, it's even finances, and we think, oh, things like pornography. Well, finances isn't as bad. I don't think God sees it that way. I think God sees when we choose something over him, when we choose something over Jesus, they're all equal. 
And it's time to stop. And I'm going to say in a different way that when we choose yes to struggle, we're choosing to say yes to worry, to doubt, to fear, to sin. And we're choosing to say no to Jesus, at least in that area of our life. That's hard. That's real. Do I need to wake you guys up? Kind of somber, I know. But my heart's desire this morning is that we talk about all this, we absorb it, and we walk away with strongholds broken. Because the things that we're struggling with, whether they be finances, our marriage, it can be pornography, it can be sexual sin, it can be gossip. It can be anything under the sun. My hope is that we walk away with those struggles broken today. That we walk away from those struggles instead of holding on to them. Because when God points out those things in our life and we see them, we have a choice to confront them and walk away or we have a choice to continue to struggle. So I'm going to take you quickly to John 10.10. It doesn't have to go on the board. Anyway, go to John 10.10. And John 10.10, again, is one of my, it's a bumper sticker verse. It's a coffee mug verse. It's the thing that goes on the poster. We all know it, but I'm not sure sometimes we absorb it and get it. And John 10.10 says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I come that I give you life and life more abundantly. Not my words, Jesus' words. And struggle is one of those thieves. Struggle will steal from you. It will kill your joy. And it will destroy the things that God has for you when you choose struggle over him. And most often, most often we think of that verse as Satan. But think of the things in your life that you struggle with. Think of the things that you hold you back. And I think when you can take that word thief out and you can insert those other things in there. And you can say, my finances, are they still killing and destroying me? You know, I struggle with them. The sins and the other things, are they stealing? Are they killing me? Are they destroying from me? And I actually went and I wanted to look up this word. So I look up this word. Uh, I'm going to butcher this now, but kleptus which is that word for thief in the Greek. And that word means a thief who steals by stealth or in secret. By stealth or in secret. Usually when the enemy comes at us, it's blatant. And he steals right in our face. But when it's our struggles and those things, it's subtly stealing from us. Sometimes we don't even see it coming. Sometimes we're so far down that path of struggle with sin or whatever it is, that we don't realize what's being stolen from us. We have no idea what's being stolen from us, that we have no idea what's missing out because it's so subtle. And we go from point A and we're all the way over here before we realize that we think, how did this happen? And it was a series of choices to continue to struggle. It was a series of choices to stay there. It was a series of choices to say, no, I can't do this anymore, but I'm going to do it anyway. I know I shouldn't sin. I know I shouldn't think this way. And we choose to continue to do it anyway. So remember that thief that steals in secret. It's subtle, and we don't see it coming. And so often we prepare ourselves for the big things that we expect to see coming, and that usually comes in a form that we don't see coming. And we're surprised by it. And we don't know how we got there. And I think if you look at John 10, and you look back at, at um, 2 Peter, it's time to stop struggling. The thief, the enemy, whether the enemy is Satan, whether it's your struggle, whether it's your sin, regardless of what that struggle is, do you know that that has no power over you, that you don't give it? Absolutely none. Absolutely none. 
The enemy has no power that you don't give him. Your sin has no power that you don't give it. Your struggles have no power that you don't give it. Sometimes our struggles with other, are with other people. Sometimes our struggles are with how they've hurt us, the things they've done to us. And I have a term for that. When somebody has hurt us and we struggle with that or forgiveness, I call that living, letting them live rent-free in your head. Who gets to live rent-free in your head and why would you let them do that? And who can stop that? You can stop that right now. Why would you let somebody live rent-free in your head? It could be the enemy. It could be a spouse. It could be anybody, anything. Why would you do that? And you can choose to stop struggling. You can choose to say no. And you can go back and do what 2 Peter says and stand on the promises of God. If you're struggling in your finances, what does Scripture say? My God will supply all of my needs by his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. That is a promise. may not give me everything I want, but he will give me everything I need. Stand on that promise and that scripture. I choose not to struggle my finances. I choose to trust that God will give me everything I need. I don't know how it's going to come, but I'm going to do it. And I'll actually give you a little story on that real quick that I didn't plan on. But you know Sarah and AJ and I got to go to Estonia in June. And Pastor Guna, who's a good friend of mine, asked me if I'd come back in August. And there were some particular reasons, and as I was there in August, God revealed more of why. But he asked me that, and then a couple days later, he says, can you afford that? And my response is, no, I can't. But I know what God called me to do, and I could have, this is not about me, but I could have chosen to struggle and say, I don't know if I can do that. My finances don't look like it. Naturally, it doesn't make sense. Choose not to struggle, choose to buy a ticket and go. And I actually need to talk to Sarah and AJ about this. Because what happened was, my flight was delayed by about five hours. A day and a half after I got there, I got an email from the airline saying, you were late, we're going to refund some of the money from your airfare. My airfare, I love being open, was $622. The airline's saying they're giving me $610 back. So we can choose to struggle and say, come up with the reason, excuses why we can't and we're not going to do something. Because Heather and I talked about it. It didn't make sense and I could have struggled and not gone. But we chose to go based on what God said. And he supplied the need. I never could have predicted it. I never could have understand it. But if I said no, yes to struggle and no to Jesus, it never would have happened. Now that becomes a story. And that's... I think sometimes we look at biblical stories and we miss that God still does these things now. God still does these things now. The other reason we can choose not to struggle and we should choose not to struggle is, um, I gotta find it here, but do you know Jesus also said in that scripture that he came to give you life and to give it more abundantly? Who here believes that? Who here's had struggles and chose to stay in those struggles? That's hard. How are you living that abundant life that he wants to give you when you choose struggle? He doesn't want you to struggle. He wants you to have life, but have life abundantly. That doesn't necessarily mean finances, but it does mean spiritual abundance. That spiritual abundance is joy, the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. When you choose Jesus in that struggle, you will have an abundant spiritual life. And you will lack nothing. 
And we don't always see that. And I think, and, and guys, I, I think Pastor Justin said this before, you know the messages that I preach, that Pastor A.J. Sherry preaches, that he preaches, we don't get these off the internet. These don't come from something we've bought a sermon or planned a sermon or saw something else did. I don't know about these guys, but I know what I preach is because God has worked on me personally in this area, and he's brought me through this journey. So these are not canned things, these are real things, which is why sometimes we have to hear hard things because God, there were times where I chose to struggle with my past and he had to get my attention. And it doesn't matter whether you stand on stage here or you stand in front of 20,000 people in a church or you sit in a pew and, and your job is to be making french fries at McDonald's. None of that matters because we all are confronted with struggle. And I'm not going to pretend that struggle doesn't confront us. I'm not going to pretend that we aren't put in a position of struggle. Do we choose it and do we choose to stay there? Do we give those things power over us? Or do we give Jesus full power in our lives? He wants us to have that abundant full life. In order to do that, we've got to trust him. In order to do that, we can't be mired in struggle. We have to stop and say, I'm not doing it right now. I'm done struggling. I'm done struggling. The other reason it's so important that we stay out of struggle, because what is our greatest calling in life beyond having an abundant life? To impact the world around us. I hope everybody has some kind of life verse or life motto or something that means something to us. And they're personal. They're something the Holy Spirit gives you. You know the Holy Spirit gave me a long time ago? That I want to live every day to impact a life for eternity. That could be a big ministry thing. It could be a small thing. But how can I do that if I choose struggle? The abundant life of freedom, the abundant life of freedom, we are to lead people to. But you can't lead somebody to a place that you've never been. You cannot, maybe that should have been a point. You cannot lead somebody to a place that you've never been. And when you choose struggle and you stay there, how are you going to lead others to a place of freedom? How are you going to lead others to a place away from struggle? And yes, we are promised an abundant life if we follow Jesus, but our ultimate call is to reach the world around us. Our ultimate call is to be disciples. Our ultimate call is to lead others and bring others closer to Jesus. And we even think sometimes that means, well, I've got to go evangelize the unbeliever. That can be. But sometimes we need to evangelize the believers. We need to lead everybody in our path, lead them closer to Jesus every day. And you can't do that if you're struggling. And if you even have a Christian brother or Christian sister who's struggling, how are you going to take them to a place you've never been? I liken it to if anybody wants to go on an African safari or one of those things. Who wants to go with a guide that has no idea what they're doing and never been there? I have a better one for AJ. Ooh, I have a better one for AJ. I have a better one. Who wants to get on a plane with a pilot that has no flight experience, doesn't know how to take off, doesn't know how to fly, and doesn't know how to land? Who wants to get on that plane with that pilot? Most of us wouldn't want to get on a plane with that pilot because he's going to take us to a place he's never been, and do we trust that? If we follow Jesus and the Holy Spirit, he's been everywhere we could possibly go. If we follow him, he will take us. And when we go, we will take others. We can't do that if we choose to stay in a place of struggle. So, boy, I better move. 
we need to know the way to take others with us. So I'm going to ask you guys to go to Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Again, another verse that we know, another verse that we've heard, another verse that we, everybody's going to know this verse. But do we get it and do we believe it? And I'm going to read it. This is out of the NLT. It says, Scripture says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, people are watching our lives. People are watching. Let us lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely and let us run the race with endurance set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. We've all heard that verse, right? Do we get it? Lay aside every weight. We often read that verse and think just the context of laying aside the sin. And we have to lay aside the sin. But what about laying aside the weight? There are struggles that weigh us down and hold us back. That scripture tells us, lay it aside. Get rid of it. Don't hold on to it. Again, finances, a struggle with sin, a medical diagnosis, all those things are weight that hold us back. Scripture simply says, lay it aside. Don't let it cling to you. Because people are watching and then run the race that God has placed before you. And the other thing about that, run the race that God has placed before you, don't run the race that God has placed before Pastor AJ. Don't run the race that God has placed before Pastor Justin. Don't run the race that God has placed before Todd White or any famous name you might know. Run the race that God has placed before you because he's placed a race before you to run with endurance for you to impact the people around you, and that race doesn't look like anybody else's, and it doesn't need to look like anybody else's. It needs to look like the thing that God's given you. And when you do that, you will have that life of abundance, that spiritual abundance that will match nothing, absolutely match nothing. So the second point, yeah, we got to move. The second point is, when I choose not to struggle, I am choosing to say yes to Jesus. And I know we make it so much more complicated in our heads, but it's really simple, guys. Am I going to choose Jesus? I'm going to choose something else. Scripture in 1 John says, keep away from anything that takes God's place in your heart. That can be sin. That can be struggle. That could be good things. As pastors and other people, we have to not allow ministry to get in place of God. And John says to strip away anything that takes God's place in our heart. That complements Hebrews that says, take the weight off, shed it. I don't know who's athletic here, who exercises, who's a runner. And I know some people do it intentionally. They think they're crazy. But who wants to run with a 50 or 100-pound weight vest on? That's a hard race. I know for some of the military guys and ladies in here, they've run those races with a full, a full kit pack of probably 70 pounds. Who wants to run their whole race and their whole life with that weight on them? When scripture says, just shed it. It doesn't make it complicated. It doesn't say you have to do this, this, and this before it. It just says, let it go. Lay aside every weight and every sin and run with endurance. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of your faith. When you choose struggle and you're looking at your struggle, you're not going to see Jesus. I believe when we truly, truly look into the eyes of Jesus, everything else melts away and we don't see it. We 
don't see our pain. We don't see our past. This is hard, guys. I know we don't see our depression. We don't see our sin. We don't see our medical diagnosis. We don't see all the bad things that life can throw at us because when we intently look in the eyes of Jesus, all we're going to see is him, and the rest is going to melt away, and it's gone. And that's That's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So, and I told Danny I was going to do this. She created it for me. At this point, we're actually going to change the title of this message. And hopefully we get this out on version at some point. We're going to call this The Struggle Is Not Real. Because most of the time, the struggle is here. And we create it, and we make it harder. And we can choose to go there, or we can choose not to. We can choose to say yes to struggle. We can choose to say yes to the enemy. We can choose to say yes to sin and all these other things. Or we can choose to say no and say yes to Jesus. The struggle is not real because so many times it's just self-created in our heads. Or the enemy comes at us. But we choose that or we choose Jesus. Not to oversimplify it, but it really is that simple. We choose. And I challenge you guys today. I challenge me. What are you going to choose? And actually, I'm going to hustle through because I want to give us time to do some business with Jesus today and choose him over other things. I want to create time where, whether it's in your chair, whether it's here at the altar, whatever it is, that we have that time. So, the next thing I'm going to tell you, I'm going to read scripture real quick. Matthew 5.29 and 30. You guys have all heard this. Um, So if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better to lose one part of your body than your whole body to be thrown in hell. If your hand, even your stronger hand, causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown in hell. And I think sometimes we think of that as absolutely literally. Oh, I do something, I got to cut off my hand. I think it's more spiritual. Cut the sin out of your life. Cut the struggle out of your life. The things that are holding you back, just like Hebrew said, the things that are holding you back, literally cut them out of your life and get rid of them. Because they're hurting you, they're holding you back. So today, what I want you to do is, I want you to get a divorce. And there's some interesting reactions, right? That, really, did he say get a divorce? Get a divorce from your struggle and your sin. We think of divorce only in context of marriage. I get it. I even saw the faces. What's going on here? Absolutely get a divorce. And I actually looked up, I got to find it, but I looked up the definition of divorce in Merriam-Webster, the English Dictionary. And the definition of divorce is to separate one thing from another. To separate or remove one thing from another. We think of it in the context of marriage. I'm talking about getting a divorce in the context of sin and struggle. It's time today to separate ourselves and remove ourselves one thing from another. Remove the struggle from us. Remove the sin from us. So yes, this may be the only time you'll ever hear in church, go get a divorce. Today, you're going to get a divorce from the things that hold you back. From struggle, from sin, from doubt, from worry, from all those things. And I know, you guys, I guarantee online or here, somebody's thinking, yeah, Pastor Keith, but you don't understand. You don't understand. You don't understand my struggle. You don't understand what I'm going through. You don't understand how hard it is. 
Um, we're not going to put these up on the screen, but I want to get to that place where we can actually deal with our struggles. So I'm going to um, give you a few rapid-fire verses, and I'll read them to you. But these are what I call excuse removers, because we have a lot of reasons. We have a thousand reasons and excuses why. Why we don't want to get rid of things. Why we don't want to walk away. And I'm going to tell you now before I start, these are not my words. This is scripture. So I'd love for you to write these down. If, if your struggles with sin... Again, I'll speak to men and women. Men, so many men, it's pornography. I can't. It's so hard. I just see the images. I can't stop myself. Sometimes with ladies, it's gossip or other things. I just can't. The ladies are talking about, I can't help myself. I can't stop. Scripture directly addresses that. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted by more than you can stand. And when you are tempted... He will show you the way out so that you can endure. And I say excuse gone in the name of Jesus. There's no excuse to continue in a sin that God's pointing out when he says nothing that happens to you isn't common to men. Nothing is beyond what you can be tempted and he gives you a way out. Excuse gone in the name of Jesus. Sometimes our struggles are mentor, our thought life, our worry, our finances, politics. No, that, sorry, wrong. Yeah, Romans 12 too. Do not be conformed to this pattern of the world, but be transformed by a renewing of your mind that you may destine and discern what the will of God is, what is good, perfect, acceptable, and pleasing. Bam, that's another excuse. Gone in the name of Jesus. Because it says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Be renewed by the tra uh, transforming of your mind. How are you renewed by the transforming of your mind? Get in church. Get in worship. Get in your Bible. Get in worship by yourself. Spend time with Jesus alone at the feet of Jesus. Your mind will be renewed. You won't struggle with that anymore. Another one is what I call stinking thinking. And stinking thinking can lead us to a lot of things. It can lead us to depression. It leads us to gossip and talk about other things. It leads us to bitterness. And Philippians 4.8 tells us, Now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thought on what is true, what is honorable, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely and admirable. Think on these things that are excellent and worthy of Jesus. When our mind is going to places that it shouldn't, that removes that excuse. When I'm thinking something bitter or angry, when I'm feeling depressed, when my spouse does something to me and I'm angry and bitter and want to hold on to that, I need to check my thinking against, is this true, is it honorable, is it right, is it pure, is it holy? And there's probably, we could probably pull out a hundred other things, a thousand other things. Those are just a few excuses that scripture removes it gives us no reason that we can't walk away from those things. Now, and we can have the worship team start to come up. Some of you are still probably thinking, but you don't understand my struggle. You don't understand what I've been through in the past. You don't know what it's like. Because maybe what you're experiencing doesn't fit into one of those things. You might be right, you may or may not understand but I can tell you, I know someone that does understand. And that person is Jesus. And that's the last excuse that we can remove is because we think nobody understands. Nobody knows what I'm going through. We get so bogged down in our selfishness and our self-pity because it's all about us. I'm telling you, I know somebody that does. And this is scripture. This isn't me. Philippians 4.15 says... This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. 
he faced all of the same testing we did, yet he does not sin. When you think no one else understands, when you think no one else gets it, when you want to say to me or another pastor, you don't get it. Yeah, we might not, but Jesus does. And Jesus walks with you in that. And Jesus wants to take the journey with you. So my deepest desire today, it's, it's 11, 11, 16, we have time. My deepest desire today is we break some strongholds and we let those struggles go. The altar here is always open. But I would invite people to the altar or in your seat or in a corner. Whatever that struggle is, do some business with Jesus. Don't, I beg you, do not leave this place holding on to that struggle. I'm also going to be blunt. If you choose to leave this place with that struggle, you choose that, and you can blame no one else. You cannot blame the enemy. You cannot blame your kids. You cannot blame your spouse or the person that did you wrong because you can choose today to walk away from that struggle. And when you do, you will be free, and you will begin to live that life of abundance that right now is beyond what you can imagine. It might be depression. I've been there not there now. So hard to see past that. But you give that struggle to Jesus right now today and leave it in the street where you can choose to walk out with it. And God's giving you that opportunity. I want to quickly tell you a story about what it looks like when you don't struggle and how God can use and what you can do as you're pondering that. And I'm going to ask Danny to put up a picture real quick. So we know a young man that lives in Estonia, and his name is Andrew. It's not a young man right here. And we've been taking Paint for Princess Bibles from the U.S. to Estonia. They're Ukrainian and Russian Bibles. And there's places that we can't go right now. We can't get a visa, and we can't go into Russia. And we met this young man in June. And to date, we've taken about 160 Bibles. And this young man is taking them across the border into Russia. Some of them are Russian Bibles, which is not a problem. Some of them are Ukrainian, pro-Ukrainian Bibles. That's a problem. Do you know if this young man gets caught with something pro-Ukrainian or anti-Russian war, he'd go to prison for up to 10 years? Now, I want you to think about something. And I mean this to cut to the heart. Sometimes when God asks us to do something simple, to go tell that stranger that Jesus loves them, to walk across the parking lot to do something, Maybe to, to give something money or pay for something or do something like that, what do we do? We struggle. Oh, should I do that? Can I do that? What are they going to think? What if they reject me? What if God specifically says, I think of Adam, what if God specifically says, go minister to the homeless, and we struggle and we say, I can't do that. I talk whatever that, that looks like. Why don't you look in this young man's face and look at that smile. Every time he goes, if he gets caught, he'd go to prison for 10 years. And he chooses not to struggle. He is a Russian citizen that lives in Estonia. Russians are not real popular in Estonia right now. Every time he goes to come back, because he takes them four or five at a time, the Estonian border guard could say, you're Russian, you can't come back. You're not allowed back to your home. He could choose to struggle, but he chooses Jesus instead. And by
Bibles, the word of God is going to people's hands that desperately need it because of a young man, 26 years old, that says, I will not struggle. I choose Jesus instead of struggle. And that's what it looks like when we don't struggle. And if you look at that smile, that is pure joy on his face. I wish I could express to you the joy and enthusiasm. When scripture says the fruits of the spirit are love, joy, peace, and patience, that joy and peace just exudes out of this young man. He knows what he's walking into. He knows what he's facing. He knows the potential consequences. Yet the joy and peace in this young man is just infectious. It oozes out of him. Sarah and AJ know him too. It's unbelievably infectious because he says, I will not struggle. I will not question what God asked me to do. I'm just going to do it. Sometimes we don't want to walk across the street and bless and talk to our neighbor about Jesus. Don't mean that to be a downer. Don't mean that to be... That should not create guilt or condemnation, but it should be convicting, and it should wake us up. But it starts with saying no to struggle. Anything that we struggle with, any time that God asks us to do something, I'm not going to struggle, I'm just going to say yes. I'm just going to say yes to Jesus. Oh, God, I can't do that. They might, they might think I'm weird. No, I'm going to say yes. I can't afford that. Yeah, you can't, but your daddy can. I don't know what they're going to think of me, but I know what your daddy's going to think of you. Well done, good and faithful servant when you're simply obedient. So I implore you, I implore you to let go of your struggle today. And we'll leave it at this. In Scripture, when Jesus went to the cross and he breathed his last, Scripture tells us that he said, it is finished. That means your sin, the work of convicting your sin is finished. But it means your struggles your doubts, your worries, and fears. That's finished, and you don't have to hold on to them anymore. And when you do, that's your choice because Jesus said it is finished. They're mine, they're not yours. As the worship team sings, I'm going to invite, find a place to do some business with Jesus, whatever that looks like. If you want to come to the altar, you can come to the altar. If you want to go to the corner, go to the corner. If you're struggling in your marriage, I'm going to be blunt, guys. Today, this is not a, this is not a Sunday thing. I don't want to appeal to your emotions. I want to appeal to your spirit to make things right and live an abundant life with Jesus. To go where maybe you've never gone with him before because things are holding you back. If you're struggling in your marriage, grab your spouse, go find a corner, come to the altar, go find a pastor and do business with Jesus. So that struggle, marriage, marriage struggle isn't there anymore. Pastor Sarah and AJ are available. There's another available. If it's that, if you struggle with sin, Man, if you struggle with pornography, stop, but come. You don't have to say what it is. You don't have to tell anybody what it is. Come tell Jesus. Anything else that you struggle with, let's let it go today. Because there's no reason to walk out of here. And you can walk out of here free from whatever that is. The worship team's going to play. I'm going to even invite you guys. This is non-traditional. If you guys have something you want to deal with, you can step off the stage and you can do that. Because we're all going to do it together, right? Because this is a journey together. And to think that pastors and worship leaders and stuff confronted with struggle, I can look at these guys. Do we all confront struggle? Yeah. Struggle hits us. The enemy hits us. We choose it or we don't. And I'm asking you to choose not today. I'm asking you to say no to struggle. I'm asking you to say no more excuses just Jesus. Just Jesus. And if we can, yeah, if we can dim the lights, if you guys want to deal with that, 
I want to talk to those online or in the room that might not know Jesus. And you might think, oh, what's going on here? But I know I struggle. And I know there's things that hurt. I'm going to tell you, if you don't know Jesus, today's your day to meet him. Today's your day to walk away from that struggle. I'm not going to ask you to do anything wherever you're at. I'm just going to ask you, either in your seat or at the altar, to go and say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I can't do this anymore. I'm done struggling. I want to know you. If you don't know him today, today's your day. And if you want to talk to somebody about that, find Pastor AJ, find Pastor Sarah. But meet Jesus today. But don't let those things hold on to you. And don't let those things hold back. I guarantee you, if you sit in your seat or you walk up to the altar, nobody's looking at you. Because all of us are all of us are looking and reflecting in our own hearts, God, where have I struggled? If you're not sure, ask him right now. Ask the Holy Spirit right now. Show me my struggle. Show me where I'll shot for fell short. Show me where I haven't trusted you. Show me what I need to give up. And then just do it. Whether it's in your chair, whether it's in the corner in the back, whether it's at the altar, step out of your and just do it. do it with your head bowed. You can get on your knees. There's no shame. You can get on your face. But let that be broken today. Let's worship for a few minutes. I'm awaken your cities God of revival Pour it out Pour it out Every stronghold will crumble I hear the chains hit the ground Oh God of revival Pour it out Pour it out Come awaken your people Come awaken your cities God of revival Pour it out Pour it out Every stronghold will crumble I hear the chains hit the ground Oh God of revival Pour it out Come awake in your people Come awake in your people Come awake in your cities Oh God of
your kids, go get your kids. But if you guys will play for a little bit, because when we need to do some business with God, I want you to take all the time you need. Because I want you to walk away free. Walk away full of that hope. Walk into that step out of struggle and into that abundant life that Jesus has for you. And when you do that, not only will it affect you and your whole family, it's going to change your marriage. Even if your marriage is solid, it's going to change your marriage. It's going to change your kids. It's going to change your neighborhood and your block. It's going to change the city. Because people will be impacted. Hebrews tells us that people are watching. And when we throw it off and live a different abundant life, they see it and they want that. It can be that neighbor. I said, if you need to get your kids, get your kids but take all the time you need to be with Jesus, to tell him that struggle and let him take it. Put it at the foot of the cross because he said the work is done. There's nothing for you to do but give it to him. nothing you encounter. There's nothing you experience. There's not a finance. There's not a political opinion. There's not a struggle. There's not a thought that he doesn't understand that he can't overcome. To know that your daddy loves you. Your loved will see you next week. And if you need to do business, you take all the time you need. Yeah. 